Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow the Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, the drawing will go until the last day of February. Then on March 1st, I will draw the winner. And then on March 2nd, in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, first, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Uh, go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, there's a good duck hunting forum on there. You can buy some merchandise. Uh, there's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, you can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 Four nine four seven eight six eight. Lastly, we have Highline Retrievers uh, dog training up in Northeast Montana. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. It's H I L I N E Retrievers. You can also uh, give me a call. My number is four zero six seven eight three seven zero eight three. If you have any questions on training, need any advice, any help, or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend. Uh, thanks a lot and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Wicked Hunting Report. This is Garrett. I am here with Mikey Soberano of Steady Wing Outfitters. Mikey, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Mikey, I'm 21 from Northeast Kansas. Gonna start up. I'm gonna start running turkey clients and ducks and geese next fall here in Kansas, and hopefully expand from there and go down. Maybe to South Dakota, Nebraska, and run some snow goose hunts eventually. Cool. So you are the <coughs> one doing the uh, partnered with us doing the giveaway for the hunt. Um, that's yep. November eighteenth and nineteenth. Uh, what 
are we going to be targeting uh, whoever the winner is? It depends on what we have. It'll either be ducks and mallards or Wigeon, Gadwall, Puddle and Ducks or Canada Geese. And we should have both at that time. So it's going to be either field hunts or ponds, creeks, rivers, kind of whatever we find and whatever we have available, honestly. Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, that to close out, see who wins it. Hopefully one of my buddies wins it and they'll invite me along. I'll be the second. And then you said on there that you would uh, cut a discount if they wanted to bring more than the two people when we were originally talking about it. So I do like so it's three fifty a day is what our normal prices are for waterfowl hunts. And I think I was going to drop it down to like two fifty a day. Okay. So it's hundred dollars off per person yeah. per day. Because I don't think I have that on the uh, intro on the giveaway thing. So I wanted to add that into so let's get rolling into you what got you started in hunting oh my grandfather did he was big dove and or a pheasant quail hunter back in the, in the 80s he had seven eight dogs he'd run a day and they'd get 30 guys every weekend 40 guys just go pheasant and quail hunting and those died out in the early 2000s and then he got a lab and started taking me with him pretty almost every time i was home he'd take me with him I was three, four. I remember going and jumping ponds with him when I was three. So saw that and I was, I was hooked. So you started out, was it, did you go quail hunting with him? Did you say, or did you just start out with waterfowl with him? Uh, I started out waterfowl hunting, but I've done, he's taken me doing it all before he passed. Okay. So do you, you said that he had a dog. Are you big into dogs at all? Like, do you have yeah. one for your guiding? I got my own dog. And I run him about every day. Lab? Yep. Yellow lab. Can't beat it. Nope. So what all do you like to hunt? Are you just big into waterfowl or do you go after anything else? You said turkey too. I'm um, big into waterfowl and turkey. I'm starting to get into uh, predator hunting like coyotes and stuff. I just got a call and got a rifle. So today was my first predator, like straight predator hunt that I've done. And no luck, but. It was fun enough. I'll probably go out and start doing a lot more this week and hopefully the rest of the year. Did you uh, get an electronic one, like a Fox Pro or something? Yeah, I got a Lucky Duck. I'm borrowing it, I should say, but I yeah. got one. I guess, what's your favorite place to hunt? Because you've been quite a few places. You've guided a few places. Where's your favorite area to hunt? Um, It's kind of hard. They all are unique and have their own like places, but honestly, here, I've grown up here, it's just like, I know the land, I know the birds, and it's just one of my, it's my favorite place to hunt. Probably is northeast Kansas area. So what do you like to hunt there then? Uh, ducks and geese on ponds, or if I can find a creek, that's, creek hunting is probably my favorite thing I've ever done. And we don't get a lot of creek hunts because it doesn't normally get cold enough to where the ducks push into the creeks hard, but when that does happen, that's probably the best hunting I've ever had. So when you say creek like how how big a cross is that to you guys um 10 feet across at the widest probably so like, so pretty much just like a little stream yeah a stream i guess would be another word yeah how deep are they usually uh there you can find creeks with like 10 foot holes in them but most of the time they're like knee deep at most see i've only ever hunted on a creek or stream one time and that was actually the first time that i went waterfowl hunting that was with my grandpa and uh they had a little 
crick that ran through some land that he owned. Anyways, he said there's always wood ducks out there, so that was my first hunt. Me and him crept up along a bend with shotguns and kicked up a whole bunch of wood ducks and shot a big plumed out male wood duck, and that was my first duck. And the only time I've ever actually hunted a little stream or creek at all. Yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of those guys that hunt mallards on them when they're piled in there late season. It looks like it'd be a blast. It's so fun. Like, they're out where uh, I got here and, and uh, they have this little creek called the rattlesnake. And, like, there's a spot where you can't, if you sit in layouts, you can't see the water at all. But you can, you wait for them to land and then we uh, call a shot and you'll wait for them to get up. And you'll just, the clients are just amazed by it. It's such a cool spot. Yeah. So, excluding creeks, are you more of a water or field guy? Uh, both. I like there's I like watching birds work over water a lot better than I do fields, but I like fields because I don't have to put on waders. A lot easier setups, I think. I'm kind of, I'd rather, it really just kind of depends on the time of year. If it's early season, I'm all right with being in the water, but I don't like being cold and in the water. Cause, I mean, once you start getting wet, it's kind of a pain, but. Oh, yeah. It's good to be versatile. I don't really like the guys that only like one or the other. I mean, if it's not a good water spot and they try to force it, it doesn't work. Same with the field. If you got a killer water, but they don't want to put on waders. But so how did you get started into the guiding side of things? Um, So uh, Jeff Stanfield, he runs the Big Honker podcast. Uh, My buddy told me to listen to it. And one of the episodes, he said he was looking for new guides. And so I just started Facebook messaging him and he, uh, he got, or we just started talking and bullshit a bunch. And I asked him how to, uh, how to make my way into the industry. And he said, well, just start calling people and emailing and trying to get your name out there and get a job. And about 30 minutes later of talking, he offered me a job and that was it. I was, went down there and had blast. I just got back from Texas being down there with them and it's just as fun as always. So did you go from there? And you've worked a couple other places. You've been kind of around the country and up north in Kendall. Where else have you been hunting uh, or guiding to? Uh, Arkansas, South Dakota, North Dakota, and then uh, Saskatchewan and Texas and Kansas is where I've guided at. So pretty much that flyway right up it. Yeah, central flyways. I haven't broken out in any other flyway yet. I'd like to, but it'd be cool to go guide out like say washington or something that looks killer out there yeah so now you're starting uh city wing outfitters so is that going to be just you or do you got anybody gonna be helping you out at all yeah i got a partner uh cameron vikander he's grew up with him i've known him since i was in middle school and we've been hunting together since high school and we just kind of decided to start something wanted to Kind of run stuff our way, see how it goes. Cool. And then hoping to stay out in that area, or once you start growing, going to branch out at all? Um, For, like, just uh, during conservation season, we might go try to get a spread in North or uh, South Dakota and Nebraska. But for just normal season, yeah, staying around Northeast Kansas. Okay. So do you have a best hunt or hunting story that you can think of anything that stands out um this year was probably was was my highest number hunt and it was crazy we uh we shot 224 snows 
regular season with, in Kansas with 10 guys, I think. And we uh, we were sitting in this uh, waterway, and we were, our blinds were sitting level with the ground. And we just had a bunch of dumb juvie birds that absolutely loved our spread and just wanted to work. We killed 225, and it, it was crazy. That's wild. Was it big big flocks, or were you guys just picking off double singles and small flocks all day? Uh, so, like, we were shooting. We were done by 10 o'clock, I think, 10, 11 o'clock. And we were we were working big groups, and then we'd have we'd shoot into a big group, reload real quick, and then like a two like ten two packs would come in, and we just crush those. It was just nonstop action. We blew our calls for five hours straight. Beautiful. So on snow geese, what would you rather have? One great big flock do for you for the day, and then you're just stuck watching birds the rest of the day, or would you rather have? Singles and doubles and kind of action all day. Um, honest for, for me, I live for the big spins, so one big spin. But for clients, kind of action all day kind of keeps them happy. Yeah, but I'd rather have one big spin early in the morning, pack it up and go home by nine, or then have groups work all day. So it gets me as get that one big spin especially if it's a start to start the day and then it's hard to pack up and go home because you're like what could happen any second another group could do it like that yeah you can kind of tell though once you get that like last year in arkansas we had i was under the biggest spin of my life it was it turned the whole sky black like we were under a cloud of snow geese and you couldn't see like and the it spun us for 10 minutes and then we shot into it and that was it for the morning but that was probably my favorite favorite spin I've ever been under, though. Yeah. Can't beat it, for sure. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. See, one big spin a year, I'd be happy, because we just don't get out that much. And then the rest of the hunts just have singles and doubles and triples. Walk yeah. their way in, have action all day. But, I mean, that's to keep you interested all day. But, so... I guess keeping on the snow geese since we're rolling into that season. If you uh, could give advice to people starting out snow goose hunting, someone who's just like they just want to go try it out this year, what would you tell them how to get started? I'd go with an outfitter, honestly, because you don't, if you're not going to like it, you're not going to want to. It's 10 grand in decoys, calls, everything. So either go out with an outfitter or go out with a buddy who consistently kills birds and has a spread i wouldn't just jump head first into it because it's definitely not for everybody yeah see me and me and my cousin just put out a podcast here on tuesday where we kind of broke down we call it snow goose 101 and broke down from the guy who wants to just start this year all the way up like how to go and that's what he said the first couple years i mean go with people find people know what they're doing have the stuff bring your gun bring a good work ethic and go do it and find out if it's actually for you or not. Because a lot of people don't want to sit out being cold and wet in the mud all day. Yeah. To get yeah. skunked a lot of the time. And then you can go from there. You know, buy a used set of decoys and work yeah. your way up. So what's your, I guess you like the big spreads. You like shooting a lot. What's your opinion on extended tube or not during conservation season? You into it or not? Oh, yeah. I got six guns right now that I have tubes on. So. Perfect. I got tired of waiting for it, and I was bored at home, so I put all my tubes on. So now all I get to shoot is 28 gauge and a 20. 
nothing wrong with the 28 gauge. No, I love that. That's what I shoot most of the time. Yeah. So back to that episode too. What what I said was, I started out doing that with the extend tube, and then I found out that I was not shooting good because I had all those shells. So I just jump up and start dumping shells, and I wasn't hitting anything. So I had to go back to not using it to get myself focused back in. That even though there's a flock, pick out your individual birds, mm-hmm. and then now I put it back on and doing a lot better. But See, what I tell clients is if if they wad up and they're wingtip to wingtip and there's birds behind them i unload my tuba as fast as i can into wad but if there's like they're spread out pick your first three four shots and then i dump my tube every time i pull up doesn't matter if it's two birds or 500 i'm dumping the tube <laughs> didn't like buy those shells to look at them on the shelf mm-hmm. can't kill them if you're not shooting them shooting yeah them. so if a guy Say he's been doing it in a couple of years. And he wants to buy a spread. How big of a spread does a guy need to get started with? Um, it depends on what they're running. If they're running full bodies. You can get away with as little as 200. We've run that in Arkansas, and then you can, the sky's the limit with socks. Like a decent, like a average size spread is about a thousand socks. Is an average size sock spread, and then full body. Like the 500 full bodies yeah see that's what we kind of came out with for uh land like if you're starting out if you get 500 to 1500 socks i mean you're you're pretty good and then lots of times you're not the only one bringing decoys i could be hunting with multiple people i got more spread so you can mix them in get as big as you want and yeah. then another thing that my cousin brought up drew was that if you're going to do it, get everything the same brand. Like, invest in the same brand so you're not dealing with a bunch of different steak styles and yeah, all that yeah. different stuff. Definitely THGs are probably my favorite. They're light. Now they come with bungees on the back and they're steaks. All you got to do is cut off the stupid L piece on them and they're probably the best decoy I've ran for full body-wise. Yeah. I never thought about I guess all the ones that I've seen still have the L piece on it. Once you take that L piece off, what's it do? You can just smack them on there quick and pull them off without a okay. whole headache. That I they piss me off if they still have it, so I start breaking them in the field and throw the pieces in my pocket. Hopefully, you're using your own spread when you're doing that. Oh no, <laughs> I, everybody's. It doesn't matter because those are the most worthless pieces piece on a decoy ever or on a stake because they're supposed you. to stop it from spinning, but yeah. Once they spin enough, or once the wind starts going, they'll spin and all face the same way, or like they'll get situated where they won't spin anymore. I gotcha. So on, I was reading a deal on uh, hunting with full bodies for Canada's, and this guy was very adamant that even on a calm day to have all of the decoys facing the same direction. And what I had always heard was, if it's a calm day, they're not going to be facing the wind. They're all going to be feeding face in different direction. But this dude, like, had he said he did piles of research, recorded all of his hunts, and that they always decoyed better if all the decoys were facing the same way, even if it was calm to no wind. You heard anything about that, or I guess what's your opinion on it? I think we think give the birds too much credit. That's that's where I'd go. Yeah. Credit. I I've tried throwing decoys out a million different ways, and it's I. Or on location, calling, and hide. If you got, you could throw out a dozen DSDs for say, and be have a terrible hide and be in a location they don't want to be, and you're not going to kill them. 
could have a dozen tires out there and have a great hide and be where they want to be and be a world-level dollar and you'll kill one. So what would you rank the importance of hide location decoys and calling? Like, if you had to rank one to four on those. Um, location, I'd say, is a big part. If you're even trafficking, you got to be under where they want to fly, what flight line. So location, hide, calling, decoys, probably what I'd be. Calling is very important, too, knowing when and how and when not to call, when to call, what noises to make, how they're responding, what the birds are doing. Mm-hmm. Calling, That's about- hide and look, calling are kind of same for me, honestly. That's about how I would put them, too. And I might even put, yeah, I'd have to put hide above calling just because I've seen – Knowing that our calling was good and decoys were good, but they were picking us out in our hide. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't call good, but you got a good hide and you got good decoys and they're coming that way anyways, I mean, you don't even really need to call if they're, if they're yeah. going to work. Yeah. But. I like making noise. That's why I like call. Put call. <laughs> <laughs> so when you went up hunting Canada or guiding in Canada, what did you think about that? Um... Canada was totally different for me. It was like, uh, birds are stupid up there. It's the dumbest birds I've ever seen in my life. But specks are still specks. And it was crazy. You could kill all five species in a day. Or ducks, geese, crank, snows, specks. You could kill all five of them in a single hunt if you're lucky enough. Cool. Would you go again? Saskatchewan we were out by uh Saskatoon we we're about an hour west of Saskatoon okay okay would you go back Canada yeah I plan on being there this fall okay are you gonna make that like a yearly thing you think yeah I'm gonna try to it's really good money up there plus clients tip really well and it's pretty good money it's definitely worth the drive up there so you mostly get American clients uh, the place I worked at last spring, uh, we got a bunch of, we, he mostly booked Canadian clients. We only had one group in the spring, last spring. And then this fall, we didn't have any Canadian clients. I worked at a different place. So have you, uh, looked in at all on, I don't know if they passed up other laws they're talking about, about semi-automatic weapons and I think that was all cages and stuff. I think it's rifles, but it doesn't, I don't bring a gun up there, so. It doesn't really affect me too much. Well, I was wondering about client-wise if that was going to affect anything. Because, I mean, if it's only rifles, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, if they're going to say no semi-automatic anything, everybody can bring out pumps and side-by-sides? Yeah, I guess. Um, the place I worked for last spring, he provided, in the fall, they provide everything for the clients. Guns, shells, everything. So, I mean, if it's – it, I have no clue. I'm – I don't pay much, not enough attention to Canadian politics to really care. Those okay. idiots. So. Exactly. No. <laughs> well, we got enough Canadian listeners. I'm sure they'll agree with you. Anyone yeah. that listens to this show that's from Canada, I'm sure they're on the same page as us. Oh, yeah. I was scouting around, and I've seen probably 15, 20 flags that say, fuck Trudeau, uh, all that stuff, uh, go Trump. I've yeah. seen up there it's crazy yeah i think the 
Yeah, their whole COVID thing kind of really turned them against him. Yeah. But oh, and I had to get the shot, and then in October they just uh, made it non-mandatory again, opened the whole country up. So. Oh, so you're one of the guinea pigs. Yep, I was, sadly, but it was worth going up there and seeing snows bring up there. Do you bring your dog up when you go? Yep. So I guess when I went, it was kind of a hassle. Was it much to bring him across, or did they easy it up at all? It was – crossing the Canadian border was very easy for me, but I also have a work visa. So in this this fall, it was kind of a pain because – the guy was kind of a dipshit at portal and didn't know what he was doing really. And so I sat there for an hour and a half waiting, but they did. I brought a gun up this fall and they didn't check. They didn't look at my truck. They didn't look at my dog. The guy, when I drove through, he asked me if I had tobacco, alcohol, and if my dog had a rabies shot. And I said, yes. And he was like, okay, you're good. That's a lot easier. When I went across last time I had to go up there and get a form at the border i'm sure you print it out if you're not close to the border and then i had to go to my vet and have them fill out that he had like his kennel cough and rabies and all their other shots they were all up to date and the vet had to sign that and then when i brought him up i had to like when we crossed i had to have that piece of paper ready to go and then i had to have i think it was like one of his birth papers or something like that, like his AKC thing to prove that it was him, like his birth date and all that stuff that matched up with the vet thing. Like it was quite a deal to get across, but that was a couple of years ago. And it might've just been that one. Maybe other ones are a little more lax. It might've just been that border station. Cross at portal. No, this was, we crossed North of Plentywood, Montana. Oh, okay. Maybe we crossed the Scobie one. Yeah. Nope. We crossed North of Scobie, that one. But it might have just been that since it's a smaller one, they were crossing the T's and dotting their eyes because they only see like two people a day. And most of the time they're just farmers crossing. Normally, the, the smaller ones are way easier. I've, when I've all my buddies that cross regularly, they go up through Montana and they say it's just the easiest thing going through the small ones. Rather coming, than going, oh. Yeah, coming back across, it's always easy because, I mean, I know the Border Patrol agent that's usually stationed up there. Yeah. Um, he is my parents' neighbor, so it's pretty much just, did you have fun? He does, like, his little check, and then we get out of there. But And a lot of times people say that crossing into Canada is the easy part of coming back to the U.S. is when you get searched. Well, every time that I've gotten searched, it's been the opposite way. Like, when I went yeah. up to Winnipeg one time for work, for training, I crossed, not at Portable, it's, what's the one north of uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota? I couldn't tell. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have no clue. I only know. But anyways, I crossed that two times. Like, well, I crossed it a bunch, four or five times, but it was two times in a row. Like, they searched my vehicle and brought me in for questioning. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I've never had that coming back across. They always just look at my thing. So you bring anything back? I say no, and then kick me on through. Yeah, the first time I went up there, I was went into camp. I was 13, and I was with my uncle. And I, we didn't know I, he was supposed to have a signed paper from my mom saying I was good to be with him. And they thought I, I was being human trafficked. We got stopped in the place for like two hours. They were quite, took him back into the room and questioning him. And I'm just sitting out in the lobby goofing off. And then they finally let us go through. <laughs> so that was ordeal. Well, we, uh, we went up there one time when I was in fourth grade, I think it was. 
and it was my mom and another teacher. I went to a really small school, so it was like five or six of us that were in my class in the class above me, and we went up to Regina for something. But anyway, so they just had a minivan, two of them, and a bunch of us kids crossing the border, and they didn't even question it. And that was before we needed birth certificates or anything to cross. They just, yeah. yep, we're taking these kids up to Regina for a little class thing and then coming back the next day, and they just let us on through. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had any problem coming back into the States. It's always, do you have fun? How would you guys do? See you later. Yeah. Pretty yep. much. They're, I think now they're more worried about bringing weed back is always what we get answered with questions. Last spring when I came back, it was, I crossed the border at like 11 o'clock and I hunted. I got like three hours of sleep the night before, hunted that morning, then left about five or six after packing all my stuff up. And I got to the portal at like 11 o'clock and he hammered me on weed for like five different times. Just, I guess I fit the profile. I was going to say, it's your Mexi stash. They just expect yeah. it. If you well, had your had hood long, up like you did now, too. Yeah, and then I had the long hair, too. I looked like a stoner, but <laughs> I don't like that stuff. It's gross. <laughs> so what is your wildest hunting story? Like, you got anything fun or crazy that happened while you guys were out? Yeah, nothing really crazy. We don't, I don't get in a lot of bad situations. That's good. Nobody uh, shot their foot off or anything. No, I have a buddy who shot their foot off while turkey hunting, or, or his brother sh- shot his foot off while they were turkey hunting. Sitting there, leaned up against the tree and went yep. off? Yep. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, we already had one of those stories on. Gun yep. safety. Remember that, kids. Yeah. We've had guns knock over in the blind. That's nothing bad happened there just just all nothing's crazy has happened thankfully just like i've been hammered with safety so much that i'm real particular about it especially people who are new to shooting and hunting yeah i mean yeah gun safety i've only had one like real real scare when i was there and that was in a a frame and someone's dog went running down the a frame and knocked a gun over and it tipped over hit the ground and went off and luckily it was the guy on the end so just went out the side of the a-frame but yeah i mean i mean everyone what no go ahead um i mean we were in texas pig hunting and we were riding around the car and one buddy had his head out the window and i had my head out the windows trying to shoot and i about shot him but (sighs) again safety did you do quite a bit of hog hunting while you're down there uh, I go back every like six months to go pig hunting and hang out with my friend down there that I met through Stanfield. You guys, uh, is it normally just chasing them down in a pickup or what? Yeah, that's basically all we do. Grab six pack and go, go cruising around in fields. It's like what we do with jackrabbits or coyotes. Yeah, we shoot. Well, I mean, they can spotlight down there legally. And so we go out at night and just take a red light or a spotlight and just go drive around in the fields and do our best to find them. And we'll shoot coyotes, pigs, uh, jackrabbits, rabbits, whatever, skunks, whatever pops out, really. We're just down have, there you s- have you seen a bobcat down there? Uh, no. Um, seen a mountain lion, though. Really? Like a wild one or is it like on a mm-hmm. ranch? But wild. Jesus. Cinder. Yeah. Huh? Go ahead. Uh, we were out cutting grass in front of the lodge one day, and it 
just we got back in the truck he saw it and we hauled ass back to the lodge and did not did not go back there for a couple weeks <laughs> didn't but, send around his way no we were we didn't i don't think we had anything in the truck at the time but we jeff has seen him a bunch i think uh he's got him on trail cams and then he's seen a couple out there surprised they don't have mountain lion hunts then Oh, they do. They have, there's a, it's open season on them year round. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. No I'm tag pretty, or nothing? Yeah, I don't believe so. Not in Texas. Texas is wild. Yeah, they're also real particular about their cattle and stuff like that. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but I'm sure that even if it wasn't, they could just say it was escaped from a ranch. And then once they're escaped, they're open game, right? Yeah. And then like Kansas. I don't know if the I think Kansas Department of Wildlife finally accepts they are here, but there's still not a season on them. They're open here too. Mm. So if you see it, you can shoot it, pretty much. I believe so. Yeah. So what's the wild? Go ahead. Huh? I, I don't know what I was going for. What were you gonna say? What's the wildest animal you've seen down there since they got all the exotics? Ah, uh, there was one exotic ranch, and I saw like some kudu, I think. I think they're kudu, like sitting right against the fence, and that's about it. That would just be crazy to be driving down the road and look over and see a zebra or giraffe yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, we got farms out here. Like, there's a far, farm going towards Topeka from my house, and it's got uh, zebras on it. Just mixed it with the horses. Is that something you would go down there to do, down in Texas, is go on exotics at all, or...? Not no. interested. No, it's just like they say it's not like you're basically just picking out your animal because they're all going to the same feeder at the same time. Yeah. Go through See, the log book and pick them out. Yeah, I can I can do that either. I understand if I mean if that's the hunting that you're used to, you grew up doing it, it'd be different. But I mean, yeah. I grew up hunting such big open country that's wild. To uh, just yeah. go sit in front of a feeder every day to see the same animals until you pick out the one you want. Not my style. Yeah, even like going to Africa, they're still on 100,000 acre preserves and half million acre preserves, but they're they're still seeing the same animals every day out there. It's a lot yeah. different, though, but it'd be cool to go out there and do that. I'd like to do a hippo out crocodile hunt. That's what I want to do out there. Do you uh, listen to the Joe Rogan podcast? Uh, every once in a while. Did you listen to this last one with uh, Forrest Galante? No, I haven't listened to him in a year or two. All right, well, he was talking about how there's this research company that is cloning a mammoth, like mammoths, and they're putting them in Indian elephants, and they're growing them, and they're going to give birth to them, and they're going to be, like, they're going to be a mammoth, and then just little pieces of DNA that they were missing from all these frozen ones they found are just, just going to have uh, the Indian elephant DNA like those little strands mixed in where they was broken. So anyways, they're going to have mammoths, and they're going to put them up in Siberia, and then there's... I looked at the thing they're going to be like in a spot in Alaska and stuff too. If they uh, get a population of those to where we can hunt them, you better believe I'm going to be out there. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to get me a mammoth. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. They've been talking about that for the last 20 years now, cloning el- or taking DNA and implanting it in elephants. So I guess... I- about it forever yeah i guess i guess they're doing it though like he said that 2024 the first one's supposed to be born oh shit 
Yeah, that's. I mean, that's completely wild to think that there's yeah. gonna be a real one. I mean, even if there's never a population hunt, just to know that they're out there or to see them would be crazy. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting how that worked. See what they even look like. I mean, if they don't, they're not full mammoth. Who knows if they're even gonna have hair? I mean, maybe that's the one gene yeah. that they're missing in the strand, but who knows? Yeah. So I guess. What else has been going on? How'd the season go, or how's it going? Uh, it's been going pretty good. Uh, kind of got, I've had two months off, so I've just been buddy hunting a lot. It's kind of weird not working right now, but it's what it is. Uh, just hanging out, shooting a lot. Season went started slow in Canada. We were kind of in a bad drought, and we the zones we were in were didn't have a lot of water so it started off really slow there had some really good hunts though then went to can went to came back home and started guiding and took off it's great was crazy this year ha- didn't have any water in cheyenne bottoms which is the world's largest or the country's largest i think marsh water wildlife area and so that was that sucked, but we still did pretty good on the snows and specks and and ducks. So then what's the plan this spring? You're heading down to Arkansas? Yeah, I'll be in Arkansas with Dirty Bird. Okay, leave. when are you head? January 30th is when I'll leave. Okay. When's yep. season open there? February 1st. February 1st. Okay, yeah, me and Drew were trying to figure that out, and I think we said like the 15th, so we probably got the date wrong. So, I guess on the snow geese again, what, uh... I guess, what are any big tricks or tips that you could give to people, like, to improve their success on them? Like, anything that you've seen over your years? Uh, Have a remote for your calls and being able to control, like, how your volume and stuff. Um, Knowing when birds are not liking the motion, like, what motion decoys you. If you got adults, you don't, like, uh, rotaries, they don't work as well with for adults, but knowing winds and stuff kind of uh like on super high wind days keep your decoys in closer kind of just basic stuff that you just pick up every now and again which would you uh rather hunt in for snow geese like shitty snowy weather or calm and no wind i guess 60 degrees and a 15 mile an hour south wind is my ideal snow goose weather that's your perfect in the 10 to 15 mile an hour wind from the south from the south gotta have it from the south yep bright and sunny too i don't i don't like cloudy days really we uh we seem to have our best days when it's good and cloudy and low clouds yeah we lay in the socks a lot in arkansas so need that sun oh i suppose yeah i guess is there anything else you'd like to talk to the people about? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, I have no clue. <laughs> we kind of talked about everything a little bit. Yeah. Uh, bring turkeys. Uh, you do that much at all? I don't. See, I never really grew up doing that. We don't really have them right, like, where I am up and where, where I grew up. Um, just south of me here on the river, we have some. I'm going to try to go out this year and do it. But, I mean, yeah. like, some of my family did it growing up because we had more in South Dakota, but... I'd like to do it, but come down, come you know, down. 
have to talk to my wife. I can't take two tr- hunting trips in the spring. I already do my snow goose trip in the spring. Yeah, where are you guys going for that one? North Dakota. North Dakota. Just like every year I text you when you're there, too, and you're always somewhere different than us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, so that's something we could talk about. I haven't really ever turkey hunted. And, like I said, we got some south here down the river breaks, just south of town a couple miles. Mm-hmm. How do I turkey hunt? <laughs> um, For me here, it's different in a lot of places. But Kansas, our birds are very aggressive. They're... They respond well to calls. They gobble every day, every morning. They gobble when they get off the tree most of the time. Our our birds here don't get a lot of pressure, so I pretty much run a Jake decoy, full strut Jake, and kind of set them out, call a little bit when in the morning when they uh, when they're on the tree, and hope they fly down my way. And then when a Tom sees that Jake out, he normally gets real fired up and just comes sprinting dead at him. So that's something I heard is that you put the turkeys to bed, like you find out where they're roosting at, and then you try to get close to them. Is that something I actually have to do? Because, like, I was just planning on going down there, seeing if I could find them, and then sneak up on them. You could do either or. Um, I I normally don't put them to bed because the places I've hunted, I've hunted them enough. I know where they're generally area and then where they're going to walk out in the morning. So I kind of just go and set up where I know they're about to be in the same general area and then just wait for them midday. I'll go out and try to find them. And then I go and reap them, which reaping is probably my, one of the most fun ways you can turkey hunt. You do it with a shotgun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've been watching videos on it. I want to do it, but I just, I've, I've never done it. I really don't know how to do it. So I had, I get a mouth call and start practicing or a box call or something. I like a mouth call just so my hands are free, but a box call slate slates are a little harder, but they're also not very hard to takes five, 10 minutes of watching videos to learn. Yeah. I've got, I've got a, um, not slate, but a glass one, like it's yeah. a pot call, but it's mm-hmm. not crystal. I think it's a crystal. Is that, yeah. Is that, that's the other option. Yeah, I got a, I got a crystal one because there's a couple of years I was going to go out with a buddy and then it just never panned out. But like I bought I bought that and I got turkey loads and then we just never went. So they've just both been sitting in my house for three years now. Yeah, I mean, I go give her hell. I've I got a buddy in South Dakota, Forrest uh, Barthol, I think his name. And he uh, he goes and shoots the shit. He shoots. I think they're they got like six turkeys down there. They can shoot a spring. Yeah, because like I said, in in South Dakota where my family's from, there's more turkeys and they do it. But I mean, it's pretty much just walk down the draw, and when you see the flock of turkeys, sneak up on them and shoot one. Like we don't never really did the whole calling and all that other stuff. And guys will say that's more ethical and more fun for them than getting a tur like reaping a turkey. I've had turkeys come into five feet of me. Like, I almost could have grabbed him. Jesus. Yeah, my, uh, yeah. I really think I'm going to try it this year. We'll see. I might be texting you as soon as we get to spring on how do I do this? Where do I go? And it's, it's probably going to be different here, too, because, like I said, it's in the breaks on the Missouri River. So it's, like, Badlands. So yeah. It's, it's going to be probably totally different than what you do. We have some. We, oh, it's hilly here, but, like. I have one spot that's really hilly and like it's so fun to watch like uh 
you'll be sitting on the bottom of the hill and you can see them run across the top, chasing each other around, strutting, yeah, gobbling and stuff. It's just super cool. I don't really have a desire to kill them anymore. I've killed one since I was, I think six was when I killed my first turkey. And I've just, I've killed one every year since then. I like watching other people kill turkeys, honestly. Way more enjoyable for me. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, like I said, I'll probably be texting you once we roll into spring here, yeah. saying what did I do, what I mess up. I know here that in the fall, you don't even have to have a bow or shotgun. You can shoot them with a rifle. Oh, really? Up there? Yeah, in the fall season, you can get one one tag in the fall. So, like, if you're out deer hunting, you see a turkey, and you got your 243, you can shoot it. That's. I know Florida's that way in the spring. They can shoot turkeys with a rifle in the spring. Oh, Justin Bauman says you look like a cholo, just so you know. Well, he is he the one from the Looking Glass podcast, that guy? Yeah, the one that they always shit on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, he hey. tried a uh, thing of Malort down there, and uh, him and his wife, Mandy, tried to give me a shot of Malort, and I would refuse to take it. What a little bitch. They don't taste good. Everybody was making weird faces. If I'm going to drink, I enjoy my drinking. <laughs> gross yeah i tried it once i won't do it again but you got to do it once maybe if they go back this year and they offer me one i'll take it <laughs> well i guess now we talked about turkey hunting too is there is there any type of hunting that you want to do that you haven't yet um i'd like to go up to alaska and go turkey hunt up there or not turkey hunt um try try hunting up there for brants and stuff like that That'd be fun, and then layout boats. I've never done like a straight sea di- or a diver hunt in layout boats. I've never done that. I'd like to. Yeah, um, that'd be. I don't know. Maybe going to like waterfowl eyes. I'd like to go to the Middle East because those guys like they go out with in the middle of the night over corn piles and spotlight ducks and shoot them while they're flying with spotlights and stuff. Doing some stuff I wish I could do here. That's not legal, but doing it over there and legal. What did you say that you wanted to do in Alaska again? Um, Brants, king eiders, um, emperor goose. I'd like to shoot, like, those are, like, the three I want to shoot up there. Cool. Do you have the uh, waterfowlers, um, that list of ducks and geese and whatnot, the bucket list thing? Uh, I've counted it. I think I'm up to 20 eight or 20 i think 28 species on there out of the 41 okay i'm about halfway there yeah i've got lucky and i haven't been doing the waterfowl too terribly long i mean just since college really but i mean i've i've knocked off quite a few i've been pretty fortunate yeah i need to get out east and farther west if i really want to because i mean i'm pretty much stagnant at what i'm at now i'm not going to get much else here have you done a swan yet Oh, yeah. I get one every year. I'd like to do that. That's something I want to go do. Swan, and then that's a big one I want to do in the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, head up to North Dakota or Montana. They're there. Yeah. You can get tags. Yeah, I got a client from Arkansas. He told me to come up to Utah and do it on the Salt Lake. That would be dope. I would like to go do that, too. Yeah, I want to go teal hunting up there like they do it with the silhouettes and in the boats and the sleds, basically. They just lay out in 
silhouette spreads on the Salt Lake. Yeah, that'd be cool. I've seen I've seen videos of that type of stuff. It looks, I mean, it's totally different country too. Oh yeah, it'd be just fun to be out in new country, experiencing things, new types of birds, For new sure. styles of hunting. That's something I really enjoy too. When you go different places, is seeing the different ways that different people hunt. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it always is. It's so fun to see what other people do. It's you wouldn't think would work at all, and then if that's the only way they do it. Yeah, I mean, that was so. Like when I started hunting, all you did was lay out blinds. This was before a frames were hot. But even when a frames got hot here in the last couple of years, I'd still only done layout hunting because all the guys I hunted with were just doing layout blinds. And then I went hunting with this group of guys, and it was. I mean, it had to be like eight of us, and they had A-frames, and they said, we're going to use A-frames? I said, okay, I've never done it. I mean, cool. Yeah. Well, they took these A-frames, and we literally set them in the middle of the field, like not near anything. Just set them out in the middle of the field, and then we went out to a tree row along the road, and we just started hacking off branches and limbs, and we stuck them in there. So it was just a bunch of green branches and limbs sticking out of this a frame in the middle of the field right in front of the spread and i thought there's no way this is going to work and we we're like on top of a hill too like it mm-hmm. stood out like a sore dick it was ridiculous i thought there's gonna be no way this works them geese were dragging dick over the hill right over top of the blind like five feet over the blind to get to that spread they didn't even notice it that's crazy i, I would have never thought that would work and i don't know if that would work like that everywhere and these birds were just dumb or what but i mean that was the first time i ever did it and it blew my mind I think birds have gotten so used to A-frames now, or they're starting to pick them out. Like, the only place we, I don't, I can get away with running A-frames in the middle of the field is Canada. That's the only time I've ever been able to really get away with it consistently. Well, I mean, we're basically Canada. We were, like, five miles from the border. Yeah. Yeah, I bet that makes a big difference. But, yeah, I mean... I mean, like, after we went and parked the vehicles and we were walking back to it, I'm like, this, there's no way it's going to work. They're wasting my time. And it was two of them stacked together because it was, like, eight of us guys. It was, yeah. it was a pile of people. So, But, I mean, it worked. I would have never thought to do that if I wouldn't have ever hunted with them. But Yeah. A-frames yeah, are weird. I don't get how birds don't pick them out easier, especially with a big gaping gap in the middle. Who knows? So... I, I when Jeff was on, I talked to him about this too. But like I and I mean a lot of the people I know, majority of people, have never been on a guided hunt or hunted with a guide. What would you give as advice to people that are looking to be a client for a guide? Like I've never done it before. Um, listen to what the guide has to say. Wait for a shot call for sure. Tip them, definitely tip because that's. That's what guides make half their money on. That's what I make half my money on is tips. Um, be respectful. If you don't have a private group, don't bring your dog. If your dog is not going to go out there and pick up every bird and just be a pain in the ass and not hold and be steady, don't bring your dog. Um, uh, try to try to have a good time and not be pessimistic about it like it's a hunt you're not guaranteed birds nobody's gonna if i could guarantee birds i'd be the most successful guide in the world if i could guarantee we're gonna kill 20 birds a day yeah so that was the biggest thing that because i know 
not going to say his name, but I know of a guy that went on a guided hunt. And when he got back to ask how he was or how it was, and he was just complaining because I paid for this hunt. We didn't get any birds and it was terrible. I mean, I've never been on a guided hunt, but I guarantee if the guide could have got you on birds, he would have got you on birds. Like it wasn't, he wasn't out going out of his way to not get you birds. And yeah, like he was, he was being all pissy about it, complaining. I'm like, I mean, that's hunting. You went hunting just with the guy that knows the area pretty much. Yeah. If I could, if guides could do it, I bet most guides would say they would want to shoot their limit by 30 minutes after sunrise and go back and sleep. Because when you do it, 10 months out of the year, eight months out of the year, you want to shoot your birds as quick as you can and get out of there. Yeah. I can totally understand that. Like we're, uh, guides are every guide I've ever met is the days we're not killing birds is the day we are working the hardest. Yeah. That's exactly what Jeff said too. Yep. Well, dang, I think we about covered everything we can cover in this one. Yeah. Anything else that you want to tell the people? Words of wisdom, anything? Uh, cover up and get down like Tim Grounds always said. Perfect. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Uh, do you want to plug yourself real quick? Social medias, outfitting business, anything like that? Yeah, so Steady Wing Outfitters. Uh, it's on Instagram and Facebook. Go like those and follow them. My Instagram is Mikey underscore Soberano on Instagram and then Facebook's Mikey Soberano. So go give those a follow. Call to book a hunt, 785-410-2304. Give me a shout. Yep, and it's also at the beginning, before even the sponsors, is that info on the giveaway too. So, Or, I mean, in the sponsors, it's on there, and then the giveaway info is on the beginning. So if you're skipping through that, you're missing out. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you'd skip through the beginning if you made it this far into the podcast. but. And then uh, I guess I'd like... To add to on the last one, I gave out my social medias and I totally messed them up because I had never done it. So I'll do it on this one. Um, so my Instagram, I've got three of them, which is for this for the podcast is the Wicked Hunting Report. Uh, personal one is Backman G, and then I got my Highline Retrievers one for my dog training is just Highline Retrievers all together. And my Snapchat was Garrett dot Backman not. Garrett Backman altogether, and uh, I mean that's about all I got. Um, that's all you got. That's all I got. Anything else? No, man. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks a ton for coming on, and uh, we'll be talking to you in the future, I'm sure. Okay. Um, and then anyone that's still listening, don't forget to sign up for this hunt giveaway. Again, we'll be drawing on March 1st for the winner, and then the podcast that comes out the day after that. I will be announcing who the winner is. So, I mean, all the info is at the beginning on how to sign up for it. Go ahead and do it. Go on a hunt here with Mikey. And, uh, yeah. So, you have a great night, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.